The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world madder than Mad Max. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and Scherzer is happier today than he was three days ago. As far as we can tell, that is indeed the case. Yes, it is Mad Max Trade Monday morning. We are recording this a little after 9 a.m. Eastern, and that is important to establish as the trades are a coming folks we already have a bunch to talk about of course we are going to spend the first chunk of this show talking about the texas rangers who to who continue to push chips into middle the middle of the table that we did not know they're like pulling them out from under the table and continuing to push them in so of course we're going to talk about the rangers and max scherzer the cardinals finally beginning their sell-off uh some of the results from the weekend and as well as uh, the other trades that we wanted to get to. But we want to get this into your ear holes, as Jake likes to say, as quickly as possible, because who knows what trade is coming next. Um, but first of all, Jake, how, how are you doing before I set the stage for this Max Scherzer deal? I'm doing well. I was not traded over the weekend, which is nice because I didn't have to uproot my whole family. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to take the kids out of school or anything. Yeah, that's huge. And that's, of course, a part for you in particular, that I think a lot of people were thinking about. But it is indeed an element that, uh, of course, gets mentioned uh, this this time of year. And uh, it is a part that none of us can ever possibly understand. And so maybe we should understand that we can't understand it. And all we can do is talk about the baseball implications for these trades. Jake, let me let me set the scene here for Saturday afternoon. You have spent the, uh, the weekend um, with uh, some friends from high school, hanging out, catching up at I believe is some sort of uh, the woodland uh, cabin is that uh, fair to say yes that is correct yes and so uh, Saturday afternoon Jake gave me all the old FaceTime ring a ringling ding and he said after a few adult beverages it seems he said hey man I don't think this deadline I don't think we're I think this deadline's gonna suck that's what he said to me he said I think this deadline's gonna he said I don't think anything's gonna happen he hung up Not 10 minutes later, not 10 minutes later, friends, the tweet from Andy Martino, the first of many tweets over a very confusing next six hours, said the Mets and Texas Rangers are in serious talks on a Max Scherzer trade. The deal is not done. There are hurdles to be crossed. Indeed, there were, but the deal still got done. And now Max Scherzer, future Hall of Famer, will be pitching for the Rangers of Texas 
in the near future. Just a quick edit for Andy Martino. You do not cross a hurdle. Okay. I did not run track yes. in high school, but I know that if you cross a hurdle, you yes. will end up on the ground under the hurdle. I am so glad you said this because he had another tweet and a couple other reporters had other tweets that said there are hurdles to get through. And I was like, that's even worse. Like we no. are definitely going to injure our midsection if we are running through hurdles we need to go over these hurdles we need to or just come up with a different analogy that's also fine so i'm going to just quickly walk you through my experience with the max scherzer trade and uh then we can talk about what it means uh it was the drunkest i've been in a while when i called you to be honest i don't i remember calling you i couldn't tell you anything we talked about anyway we had that conversation and then i took a nap Perfect. Uh, I, Even I took a nap because sometimes you got to. And when I woke up around, you know, 7.15 p.m., I was very confused to see Max Scherzer was on the Mets. Or sorry, was on the Rangers. It was no longer on the Mets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, everyone exactly. online was fighting about Luis Angel Acuna. <laughs> and it was difficult for me to put the pieces together in a less than sober state. Totally understood. But again, that's why I thought it was now I will say I'm not just, you know, throwing you under the bus for the state that you were in. I mean, I think you and and, and others, not just you, had had looked at this deadline and said, it's possible this is gonna be a bit of a snooze fest. And I understood that logic. I did look at the names available. And also in recent days, some of the names that some of the names that have come off the market, and we'll talk about a little bit of those later, guys on the Cubs and, and you know the Padres and what we'll see about those. And but you know, I uh, show that, and yeah. Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah. Shohei Otani, him too. And that feels like years ago <laughs> that we dealt with that. But at the same time, like, shit always goes down. It's just a fact. And and the reality is there are so many teams now in such weird – this season has been so topsy-turvy for so many organizations that someone was going to do something we didn't expect. And this is ultimately that. Now, we'll get to the Verlander element of this too. Maybe he gets traded during this podcast. But let's talk about the deal. Okay, the Mets are sending Max Scherzer and $35 million, roughly, to the Texas Rangers for Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, Luis Angel Acuna, who is a 21-year-old shortstop, who is a top 100 prospect. Is he one of the best prospects in baseball? No. Could he be this time next year? Maybe. He seems to be a good prospect. That is the only player the Mets received. It was one for one, something we do not see very often, especially in big league for prospect deals anymore. And so that in and of itself is interesting. But $35 million. The Rangers, because Max Scherzer agreed to pick up his option and will be on the Rangers next year, will only be paying Max Scherzer $22.5 million over the next year plus the last two months. Now, no, we'll get to what we think about Max Scherzer at this point. If you just put it that way, that's pretty good business. I, I, I mean, if Max Scherzer is healthy in any form, you could argue this form where he's given up a shit ton of homers. This is still a perfectly reasonable contract for Texas to be assuming. Fine. But this deal means so much more for both of these teams than strictly the value going both ways. So where would you like to begin? How do you send $35 million to someone else? That is what I am thinking about, right? Oh, the Mets are going to send $35 million. You, you say that like I'm going to bring sugar over to your house or like drop off a, a parcel. 
This is you know, the best part about this. So one of the funniest moments of this um, kind of ongoing sequence that I guess you were napping th- through was we all understood that the Mets, I mean, not that it was a secret that the Mets were going to be moving money to the range of this deal. But the funniest part was Rosenthal had a tweet that was like, you know, there's this is a complicated process, whatever. Any deal involving the exchange of more than $2 million <laughs> requires like significant league approval and like clarification, whatever. And, and Rosenthal had some tweet, or, or I think he had some a hit like before the uh, one of the Saturday night games where he was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be more than $2 million. And so when the number comes out that it's 35, it's just like, oh yeah, that is... That is so much money for just two more years. Again, we've seen this amount of money moved over like a giant, like the freaking Rockies. Remember how much they ended up sending the Cardinals for the r and deal? But that was like a multi, multi, giant, giant, giant. This is two years for a guy that just turned 39. So it is a staggering amount of money to, to send to a team for this amount of time. And the money is relevant before we talk about Scherzer and Acuna here. By sending that large chunk of money, the Mets are essentially buying a prospect. Mm -hmm. The Mets could have sent $10 million to the Rangers, or they could have sent no million dollars to the Rangers, and they would have received a much lesser prospect in return. Mm -hmm. And so there was a quote from Mets general manager, uh, Billy Epler, who said that this is a repurposing of owner Steve Cohen's investment. And that is very interesting to me. Because it is a different way to think about leveraging your immense wealth to buy yourself a new farm system, right? By giving big leaguers a lot of money and then trading them away and sending the money to other teams to then take their best prospects. Now, it was clearly not the plan for the mess. So even (laughs) though it is an interesting strategy and a creative way to pivot, yeah. There's no way Billy Epler could seriously sit here and say, everything's going to plan. Well, and this is why this is such a stunning deal and why, you know, I wrote about it for Fox Sports and I talked about how there's there's risk for, for both sides here. And Mets fans are responding because they now live in this r- world of Steve Cohen has infinite money, which is essentially true. They're saying, what's the risk for the Mets? Well, the risk for the Mets is that, and this applies extensively if they choose to do a Verlander, is that somebody has to pitch for your team. And unless you are actually going into a a full-blown, we are not winning, we are really not trying to win next year, and we're dealing even more than what we could even think of, um, this is a risk that like you don't have measures right now. It's The other part about this that's wild is like Mets fans, some of the Mets fans that are like, just think Max Scherzer sucks because he gives up four homers in that postseason game last year and he's given up a shit ton of homers this year. And so they're just like, he's bad. So whatever. This is this is no risk. But also, like, this, what's so wild about this deal is that the, imagine if somehow the Mets had made these moves and then Steve Cohen had bought the team in April and decided this shit isn't working. That, like, makes sense. But that it's the same person that built the most expensive team ever that has already decided to pr- push the the eject button on the whole thing, possibly, if they trade Verlander, is shocking. Like, that is a shocking thing. And, and the whiplash there is, like, very uncomfortable, even as a non-Mets fan. But I sense that a lot of Mets fans are just like, fuck it, we're trying to make the best out of a situation. And ultimately, Steve Cohen's money does afford you the ability to sort of do that. But it is very embarrassing. <laughs> yes, this is an admission of failure. 
the Scherzer trade and any impending Verlander trade. Mm-hmm. It is Steve Cohen saying, this did not work, and therefore we must pivot. Now, it's better than the, than the alternative, where if they were running a $230 million payroll under old ownership and the well ponds would just then sit on their hands for a decade and wait for the money to run out, mm-hmm. that's different, right? This is better than that. But this sure. is not good. <laughs> Yesterday was not a good – this weekend was not a good weekend for the Mets, even though they took three out of four from the Nationals. I would like <laughs> sure now did. to talk about what is Max Scherzer at this point in his career and what does he mean for the Texas Rangers? Mm-hmm. Is Max Scherzer worth the $43 million he was being paid this year? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure literally any pitcher <laughs> Correct. I mean, yes, but, yes. He's the highest salary in MLB history, and he's well, not been worth that. Crumple up anything related to value, and just yeah. you can yeah. throw it in the matter. trash. He is, or sorry, let me rephrase that. He has been fine. He has essentially been a league average pitcher this year, maybe a little bit, a touch better than that. And the reason he has slid from his previous heights, as you mentioned before, is that he is donating home runs to various members of the opposing team in a very generous manner. Because of that, I actually think there is some upside here, Mm -hmm. which is a bizarre thing to say about anybody who is 39 years old and playing professional baseball. There is a chance that Max Scherzer continues to give up the gopher ball Mm -hmm. and remains a league average starter for the duration of his Texas contract, right, through the end of next year. There's also a pretty legitimate chance that he fixes some of that stuff or more of the fly balls just find gloves and turn Mm -hmm. into outs. And if that's the case, he's not a four-flat ERA guy. He's a 3-5 ERA guy, which is a totally legitimate person to start in a postseason game. Mm -hmm. In a bizarre way, Max Scherzer has gone from overrated to underrated in like three months. Yeah. I mostly agree with you. I think that there is that the homers inflate stuff. It's always funny. Where it's like, oh, we just allowed homers, so the ERA is higher. It's like, okay, well, allowing homers is that's bad. important, especially as we saw last October, uh, in you know maybe the last game of your season or whatever, one of your important games of the season. Like, you cannot afford to have starts like that now. But there's still been like two weeks ago against the Dodgers, he was fucking incredible. Like, it's uh, there's still been flashes of him, but the inconsistency. And I also have to say. Especially when we're talking about the Texas Rangers, the injury risk of Max Scherzer, which has also been significant over the past few seasons at the least opportune times, is another part of the risk that they are inheriting, not just in, you know, taking him on this year, but taking him on next year, no matter what they're paying. Because at this point for Texas, it's not about how much they're paying him or how much it's going to impact their, their, you know, their uh, luxury tax payroll or whatever. It's the fact that all the Rangers care about is winning their first World Series. That is all they care about right now. And they are they think that Max Scherzer is going to help them do that. It's very possible that he will, but that is the risk that is baked into this version of Max Scherzer is that sometimes he gives up some massive home runs at very inopportune times. That happens. Sorry. Um, does it make them better? Yes, it does. It makes them better. That's not that complicated. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I, I, from the Rangers' perspective, you have to do this, mm-hmm. right? If this trade if is offered avail- to oh, you, yeah. you have to do it. There's no – like if, the, if they pass on this and you look back in a year, you, you do it with regret. Because, yeah, like you said, Scherzer could be a pumpkin, but he could also be a, a squash. And squashes oh, are delicious. Way Quick better. thing on the Rangers' 
pitching before we get to the other trade they did, which is Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals. Yeah. In the last two years, Jordan, John Gray, Jacob DeGrom, Nadia Valdi, Andrew Heaney, Jake Odorizzi, Martin Perez, Dane Dunny, Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery. Pitching is a volatile beast, my dear friends. You do not know how many you will need. Pitchers will break at any time, and they'll do it without telling you. They'll just get hurt. Rude. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck, man? What Why do you did do you it? say something? Oh, you yeah. say something? So the Rangers seem very ready for a 16-game playoff series. They got, yeah. a lot, they got a lot of horses. But again, like you said, like they trade for Scherzer, Rivaldi hits the IL literally the next morning. They trade for Montgomery. We'll get to that in a second. Last thing on the Mets quickly. Of course, we'll probably be talking about them again uh, on tomorrow's deadline special and Wednesday, whatever. Um I mean, Acuna, is a, it's a really great prospect to add. Like, he's really good. It's not, but like, <laughs> this applies to whatever else they do. Like, they need pitching so badly. Like, it has been interesting to see what they've targeted in these deals so far. Um, with Robertson, they also got a couple in, in, in interesting young hitters. I mean, you get the best players available. Good prospects are good prospects, whatever. Uh, it's just it's just an interesting... I. I <laughs> I just really do think the Acuna thing is helping this feel a lot cooler and more exciting <laughs> than maybe it isn't. That's understandable. That's understandable. Because if when you watch name, him, yeah. If his name was Luis Angel Mandelbaum, it would be very different. I really do believe that. And I, I am sorry if it's, it's being short-sighted, but like you watch highlights of this kid. And this was true even before he was a top 100 prospect. When they first signed him, you'd watch him and be like, oh, look, it's the kid doing the Ronald Acuna Jr. impression. It's like, duh. <laughs> um, he's a fun prospect. Like, I'm not saying Mets fans should not be excited about him. They should be. But again, I, I, if I could not imagine feeling amazing about where things are. <laughs> Mets fans can be excited about him. They should not be excited <laughs> right, right. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, all right, let's move to the rest of the, uh, the the other big Rangers move, which is probably the other biggest move that we saw this weekend, and that was the uh, Rangers adding another pitcher in Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton from the St. Louis Cardinals. We saw the White Sox begin their sell off at the end of last week. The Cardinals. We talked to Derek Gould on Friday. We appropriately previewed it, and as Derek told us, oh well, what's the likelihood all the rentals move? Tied for first. They are going to try and move all of them. And yesterday, the Cardinals managed to move Jordan Hicks and Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton in one afternoon. Let's focus on the Montgomery-Stratton deal. I think the easiest place to start here is that they really did have a blueprint for what this should look like after the Giolito-Lopez deal. Now, you could argue what their values of these four players are for the long term. That's fine. But for how they have performed this season, this is Basically the same thing. Like these guys, Giolito and Montgomery's numbers are very, very similar. And Lopez and Stratton's numbers are very similar in slightly different ways. And so that helped. We knew that it was going to be, even for two rental players, a pretty sizable prospect cost. And that is what they paid to Koa Roby and uh, Thomas Sejaci. Two guys who they were two of the Rangers' five picks in the 2020 draft have now been shipped to St. Louis. The Cardinals draft in 2020, which has already given them so much, now maybe gives them even more with these two prospects. Uh, so JC, another double-A infielder who's having a great season, only 21. And Takoa Roby, injured right now, so hopefully that's not too serious, but another really young pitcher who's performing well, young for the level. So not anything super flashy, but like good prospects to add to a Cardinal system that really needs it at kind of that middle tier. And so uh, makes a ton of sense there. They also get John King. He'll probably be a, a solid reliever for them. But uh, so I think nice work by the Cardinals. 
For sure. Very straightforward. But what do you think they're really getting here for for Texas? I was going to say, what is a Jordan Montgomery at this Mm -hmm. point? Mm -hmm. Jordan Montgomery in his current state, age 30, left-hander, 6'6", is a pitcher. He is a pitcher. He is a starting big league pitcher. I don't think he is much more, but I don't think he is much less. He does not strike a lot of people out. He relies on a sinker, and he doesn't walk anybody, and he throws with his left hand. And that's basically the bit. He's, it's like, again, if you're comparing like the upside of a postseason start for Montgomery versus Scherzer, is like Montgomery is more likely to give you five innings and two runs and less likely to give you eight innings and zero runs. <laughs> but like sometimes that's actually, you'd rather bet on that. Especially, by the way, for a Rangers offense that is still amazing. And it's not like they are going to need to, you know, completely shut people out to win baseball games. They just need something steady, something that can get them to the sixth and seventh innings where they now have more options than they did earlier in the season. And that'll be it for Montgomery. Five strong Three earned, and he'll hand the ball over to Grant Anderson here in the sixth. Like, that's it. Like, that's what's just going to happen. That's fine. In a couple and then you could look at his numbers and be like, oh, he's actually better than that. But really, it's just bulk. And uh, that's fine. This is very, very important. They need, as I as I wrote, like, they just need reasonable major league pitchers who can record outs. And he is 100% that. Right. It, ooh, the, the hot take, like, if I was, like, a Texas, you know, morning area radio guy, I'd be like, the Scherzer deal is less important than the Montgomery deal. The Montgomery deal oh, yeah. is what this team really needs. Scherzer is just DeGrom, and DeGrom's hurt, and Montgomery's <laughs> just going to give them innings, and that's bulk is, is huge. I mean, that's uh, not true. Yeah. Um, the Scherzer deal is more case. important, I promise Scherzer you. is more important. <laughs> but this is still good. Still um, and then Chris, good. Chris Stratton, just quickly, like a spin rate god. This dude, whether pre-sticky stuff, during the sticky stuff, after the sticky stuff, this guy has been 99th or 100th percentile in both fastball and curveball spin rate for his entire career, and he's just fine. <laughs> like, I think that's so funny. Whenever I think about spin rate, I always think about Chris Stratton because multiple teams now have been like, maybe we can get the most out of him, and maybe the Rangers will. But, like, he's, he's good. He's a, he's a good reliever. But it's just so funny that he has this superpower, and he has yet to harness it into legitimate excellence. <laughs> I kind of respect that. There, there's something very human about that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, last, uh, let's let's talk about the other Cardinals trade. Uh, Jordan Hicks mm-hmm. being sent to yep. Toronto in exchange for two Double A pitching prospects, Sam Roberts and Adam Klofenstein. Just a hell of a, a name package. Sam, this is a cool one. Is literally just Dutch. Like he's from the Netherlands and is just a Dutch guy. Uh, and he'll be going to the Cardinals. But Jordan Hicks, the headliner here, uh, you know the deal about Jordan Hicks, everybody. He throws harder than everyone else on planet Earth except for Yohan Duran. And at times during his career, he has been pretty good. At times, he has been abysmal. He has always been worse than the visual experience of watching Jordan Hicks pitch. You see Jordan Hicks throw a fastball, and it's like, why does anyone ever touch that? And then you need to remember the various other components of a fastball besides velocity that contribute to a batter's ability to see it and hit it. And Hicks doesn't necessarily have those other things. 
That's true. I will say, though, his strikeouts are at a career high level, and he has found a way, even though he is still throwing his fastball a lot, whether it is the the where he's using it in the zone, whether it's how he's using his slider, his strikeout rate is higher than ever before. The reason that his ERA is still closer to four than three is because the dude still walks the house, and he's still capable of extremely flammable innings where, yes, to your point, guys can still put the ball put the ball in play off of his heater. And when you combine that with the three guys he walked earlier in the inning, you have some disastrous outings. That's really kind of where we're at with Jordan Hicks. Now, again, they just lost Jordan Romano to the aisle. Hopefully that's not too serious. The Blue Jays clearly need help um, in the back end as well. I think that the upside here is, is, is easy. And while they are giving away two of their better pitching prospects, like I get this move. The upside for Hicks is great, but you are still kind of, you know, hanging on to your your seatbelt there when when he comes in the game. Hicks has a one eight eight since May eighth, which is a totally arbitrary date that I've chosen, but that one that makes him looks good. That being said, Toronto, I would just strap in tight. Yeah, I yeah. would. <laughs> yeah, I would just be in a comfortable seat for the first Jordan Hicks experience. Yeah, and like that's the thing is like because if you're not watching him all the time, if you just tune in, you're like, holy shit, this guy is a is a super a superhero, and it's true. His stuff is unlike really anything else. He's one of the hardest throwers the game has ever seen. But but yeah, it's just referring to him as a shutdown closer is just it's just factually wrong. Like he can be that in a way that a few pitchers can, but it's just, I'm not feeling super comfortable getting him. I, I still like it. I like the move. I think I, I you got to take swings like this. And I think that he is, he is that, but um, he's also, I just, the last thing on Hicks that's going to be fascinating is like, he's a pending free agent too. And because he came up so young, I mean, he's, he's about to turn 27 um, in a couple months. Like he's also going to be one of the weirder free agent cases we've ever seen. And I'm, I'm very interested, uh, in what that is going to look like, but nice move for Toronto. The White Sox continue their sell-off. They send Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for a pair of pitching prospects, Nick Nostrini and Jordan Leisure, as well as outfielder Trace Thompson, just getting tossed in there. What an odd career it has been for Trace Thompson. We can talk about that another time. Lance Lynn, we spoke about last week on the show. He has been bad on the surface and bad beneath it, but there were reasons to think he could improve, and the Dodgers, who have a rotation that is just beaten and battered, could use anything resembling consistently consistency. I would imagine a tweak or two, and they just get Lance Lynn purring again with a yeah. four ERA level performance. Totally. And they they just need the innings so badly. There was some reporting that the Rays were going pretty hard after him, which made a ton of sense. I thought that fit was also ideal. And instead, uh, much to the dismay of our friend Craig Goldstein, he goes to the Dodgers with Mr. Joe Kelly, who will drive Craig, the Dodgers fan, insane. Now, Kelly, of course, comes in, gets like a standing ovation and pitches well the other night. It was it was hilarious stuff. But I, this is a nifty move. Makes a lot of sense. I think the guys that the White Sox got back, Nostrini is definitely an up-arrow guy. I mean, he's also kind of wild, but like definitely a big arm there. And so, I, you know, this this makes sense. I think that, the, again, like the, the, the trend of packaging these players to kind of up the, the, the return has made a ton of sense for these teams where they're able to do it. Absolutely. And it's easy to forget, but like Joe Kelly is a bit of an icon. 
Yeah, out man. There. I mean, this, <laughs> this is a guy who had a mural. He's a mural. There's a mural of him. Oh my god! There's no just, Chris Stratton mural. Yeah, exactly. Okay. To be clear, for those of you who don't know about this, the mural is of. I'm going to botch some of the details of basically the face that Joe Kelly gave to the Astros after basically throwing at them. I it was like it was a the, the Dodgers and Astros. They have some history, as you might know. And I believe this was in the 2020 season, right? Or maybe 2021. Yeah. Joe Kelly made a funny face. They made a mural out of it. But yeah, he's he's. I mean, not all. Fa- I mean, I as we just said, you know, strap in. Obviously, Joe Kelly is that to the most extreme degree in the last ten years of baseball. Uh, but he's he can still get outs, and again, like I trust the Dodgers to get some good stuff out of him. And Lance Lynn, just so people know, is one of the most beloved players in baseball internally. Totally, like he is. He Lance Lynn is a pitcher's a big league pitcher's favorite pitcher, and that is because one. He posts and he yeah. works. Even and if he's players, giving up bombs, yes. he's going to show up. And that's he's the only guy. He's lead. We just talked about Scherzer. Lance Lynn has allowed more homers this year than than any player in baseball. Um, but he's he's just going to go out there and he's just going to keep munching those innings in a way that it, only he can. And then I saw him recently when the White Sox were in New York in street clothes. And it is a remarkable thing. And I think it is part <laughs> of why players love him is because Lance Lynn – looks like a lot of Southern players, high school friends mm-hmm. who didn't continue athlete life, right? Like Lance Lynn is the least baseball player looking baseball player there is. Like he's thick. He's just, he does not look in shape. He might be in his own shape, but he does not look like that. And he has this huge gross beard and he's just so laid back. He looks like he's at a family barbecue at all times. Yeah. And like, you know, there's been, there was a lot of like Alec Manoa weight discourse. Manoa is like pliable and an athlete in his own shape. Lance Lynn does not move like that. Lance <laughs> Lynn doesn't matter. Saunters around a clubhouse mm-hmm. like he's going to grab a beer from a cooler, mm-hmm. right? And it does not matter. And people kind of love him. As a result of that, it's also a hilarious contrast for the Dodgers in particular to ship out Noah Syndergaard, who also had a seven ERA or whatever, who's seven years younger and in theory has all this still possible upside. And they're just like, fuck it. Like, give us Lance Lynn. Like, this is the guy who we actually, even if he's given up even more home runs and more hits and whatever, like we believe in. And I agree with them. I agree with that. Like, I think that that is totally the right uh, way to handle that. So I, I, two, I love that move. I think it makes a lot of sense. Two more trades here before we take a break. The Angels acquiring Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone from the Rockies. This is notable because the Rockies are freaking weirdos. They are the North Korea of the baseball world. I mean that just in terms of interacting with other countries. Okay, not in terms of their internal policies. I'm not making no. a political statement. I'm saying the Rockies do not trade. Like they just don't really do it a whole lot. And it's good to see them doing what is a normal, legitimate thing at this deadline, which is to trade players that are going to be free agents in exchange for prospects. And I am impressed and surprised and happy for the Rockies that they did a normal thing 
<laughs> yes, and it's sort of related to the last shade we're going to hit on really quickly. But yeah, I, I think this is solid. I think that the the Angels, again, this is what you have to do. And with the really you know terrifying Taylor Ward injury yesterday, they just keep getting hurt even more and more. The Gritchick addition made sense from the jump. I mean, Crone, it was harder to kind of see where he would fit, but definitely makes sense there. Crone, of course, has been on the Angels before. Randall Gritchick, drafted by the Angels, one pick before Mike Trout, but never played for the Angels. So he will make his long-awaited Angels debut at some point this week. I believe they will both be there for their series in Atlanta. And we know we could just quickly touch on them because they're going to be a topic for the rest of the season. Like, Huge series this weekend, and it was not going well. They were like 0 for 25 with runners in scoring position over those first two games. Hunter Renfro bails them out with a homer and extras, so they salvage the Sunday game. But this is the thing. like they're, Now they're going to go play the Braves. Like I'm, I'm glad they're going for it. I hope they keep adding over the next day. Like I, I we, we're, we're rooting for them, but like this is not going to be easy, and nothing is promised, even if Otani is the greatest player we've ever seen. Last one, Nikki Lopez sent to the Braves in exchange for Taylor Hearn. Now, this is a trade that if it came across your baseball fan radar and you saw Royals in the year 2023, you could crumple it up and put it in the garbage can. But this trade with Nikki Lopez going to Atlanta is indicative of the mess that the Kansas City franchise is currently in. Jordan, can you please explain why? Well, it's unfortunate because we are coming off a weekend where the Royals, for the first time all season, won three games in a row. They swept the Twins. Bobby Witt Jr. hit a walk-off Grand Slam. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's been unbelievable lately. And instead of celebrating three wins in a row and the franchise player looking like a, you know a future Hall of Fame or whatever, they make <laughs> just one of the stranger deals we could possibly imagine. Now, is Nikki Lopez so great and important that this is such a disgrace? From what I can tell, people freaking love Nikki Lopez. So this okay. is the thing about Nikki Lopez, right? Yeah. Nikki Lopez is like a slightly better version of David Fletcher, where he makes a lot of contact. There's absolutely no power whatsoever. He's a very good defensive player. Multiple positions. He's multiple yep. positions. Everyone loves this guy in the clubhouse. Electric smile. Very personable. His teammates can, really like he him. He can steal a base. He can bunt. Like this, he I could mean, he's, do. He could do a lot of things for a ball club, <laughs> which means he's not actually that good. But right, right. you know the deal. But he's he's that right now. Is that is that if trading away Nicky Lopez is going to mean the Royals now can't be winners? No. But to trade him for Taylor Hearn, who the Rangers DFA'd last week and the Braves acquired for cash last week is very, very weird. And if for J.J. Piccolo to come out and say, we've liked Taylor Hearn for a long time, then why didn't you trade for him last week when anybody could have traded for him? I don't understand it. Why are you even trading Nicky Lopez for any reason? Anyway, if you think, okay, we're going to flip him, some other team finds it valuable, that's fine. Get Like, just trade for a random player in low A. Like, I'd rather, I would feel better about that. And I, I actually still like Taylor Hearn, but for the, he, he's been in the big leagues the same amount of time as Nicky Lopez. It's not like you're getting more years of control and some great upside. Like, that's not a good trade. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good process. And at a time when all Royals fans really want to see is trading actual players that presumably have value, like maybe Scott Barlow or Carlos Fernandez for prospects, you get this. And maybe they will change our mind in the next day. 
but this is really troubling. And the Royals are dangerously flirting with Rocky's territory yes. of what is going on there. Why are they talking and acting like they are in a different universe than the one we are all experiencing? And that is troublesome. And I am not here to call for anybody's job, but it was always strange that J.J. Piccolo just got to kind of inherit the same front office that he had been a part of the whole time when it felt like, oh, wow, they finally moved on from Dayton Moore and they're just still doing weird things. And so John Sherman's going to certainly have some decisions to make, the owner there. They have a lot to fix. And um, and here's just a quick one to end on. Would you rather be a White Sox fan or a Royals fan right now? White Sox fan, not even close. Okay. I think I agree. I think but I would rather <laughs> be a fan of every other big league team than the Royals. I think uh, maybe the A's. I mean, the Rockies and A's are still, but yeah. But the Rockies are not worse because you get to go to the beer garden. I know. I know. It's true. It's a nice, a nice place to be. But it take the ballparks out of it. Like, just how am I feeling about the team and the direction? It's it, that, that's the point. They are really, really far near the bottom. And the White Sox are in a dire place too, but they at least maybe sort of have some direction. And this trade of Nicky Lopez does not push the competitive needle in one way or the other. That's not what this is about. It's about revealing the inner workings of a organization that is rotten, that is not working correctly. And we get a glimpse at that. And it is just a very disheartening reminder of where the Royals are at this moment in time. Yes. Yes. Uh, last, last thing on this. The Braves reportedly just DFA'd Charlie Culberson. So if Nicky Lopez, the younger uh, and uh, more spry and maybe more versatile left-handed version of Charlie Culberson is now here, if this is actually the end of the Charlie Culberson Braves tenure, salute, my friend. (laughs) You have survived so much longer than I ever thought possible. And now Nicky Lopez will learn. Maybe he'll stick around just to teach Nicky Lopez how to be Charlie Culberson. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll recap some of the other uh, the results from the weekend that caught our attention and hit some other deadline stuff before we say goodbye so that we don't uh, miss any other trades. Okay, back in a second. This is former PGA Tour winner Smiley Kaufman, host of The Smiley Show, a SiriusXM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world. And I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S-M-Y-L-I-E. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Neither of us are getting traded anywhere. We are here for the remainder of this podcast episode. Let's fly through the weekend that was. I napped through some baseball, but I watched others. And we're going to tell you about all the important things that went down over the weekend. Three sweeps. Three sweeps. The Braves over the Brewers. The Royals over the Twins. And the San Diego Padres over the Texas Rangers. Are the dads finally getting hot? Yeah. I mean, we they play the Rockies today, which is an opportunity for them to win four games in a row for the first time this season. The friggin' 2023 Padres have not won four games in a row yet. If they can't do it tonight, 
in Colorado, they will, it's not happening. (laughs) I just like, this is, this is the time when you are supposed to get hot. Now, what is most interesting, of course, will they add now in the next 24 hours or so? I think they will. I don't know what, but we know Preller is going to do something nuts. Sweeping the first place Texas Rangers, obviously a big deal for them. They're still five games back in the wild card. Go Padres. I will say they're still five games back. The Rangers are only five games up in the division. So the Rangers are, this is honestly even more interesting for them, um, I would say, with with multiple teams trying to track them down. Uh, Braves over Brewers, like this one was just like, the Brewers tried their best and it didn't matter. (laughs) The Braves are just so much better than everybody else. We could just sim the rest of the, the that season. The the one Braves thing I have to say is that Austin Riley has been insane lately, and I mean that in a, because it's like oh duh he's great. I did not think he deserved to be an all star. Like I, I just didn't think. I felt like he was just lumped in. But like, oh send Austin Riley too. He was not playing like one in the first half. But whatever's gotten into him the last month or three weeks or so, holy shit, he is he is incredible. So credit to Austin Riley. All right, other series wins. Um, the Orioles, oh my God, the Orioles taking uh, two or three over the Yankees, other two or three series victories, Giants over the Red Sox, Rays over the Astros, Blue Jays over the Angels, Marlins over the Tigers, A's over the Rockies. You weren't locked into that one? I, I can't believe it. Pirates over the Phillies, Mariners taking two or three in the desert against the D-backs, and the Reds, very impressive series win at Dodger Stadium with an emphatic 9 nothing victory on Sunday. I would like to start in the poop series, the Pittsburgh, <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Bowl, yeah. which concluded on Sunday afternoon with a walk-off home run from friend of the show, Josh Palacios. Okay. Now, Josh Palacios is not that good at being a major league hitter. He is the perfect example, at least right now, of an up-down bat who could do some things for you. He could plug a hole. He's a good AAA hitter. And that kind of looks like what he is right now. And to see a guy within, you know, 75 or whatever OPS plus hit a walk-off home run for a shitty team against a good team at home and go berserk is a little odd for some people. I understand. He was dancing. He was grittying. He was, you know, shooting the helmet, whatever. I think it's important to remember sometimes that when – When non-regulars have huge moments, they have already succeeded. I'm not trying to say that Josh Palacios doesn't want to be a big league regular, but for a kid who grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, right? Baseball players do not come from Brooklyn anymore. That does not happen. This is already a victory. And he is treating that like a victory as he damn well should. Because if any other big leaguer started where Josh Palacios started and has made it and made it to where he's made it. That is, uh, you know, reason to celebrate. And so I saw that video. I, it was incredible. Like shouts out to Josh. Totally agree. Uh, the Orioles are really good. And on the one hand, it felt like, Oh, they're finally on Sunday night baseball again. Oh, they got the Yankees coming to town. Oh, it's this big series. And Aaron judge is back. Right. And he plays on Saturday and he looks great. Whatever. But ultimately what this was is that the better team just kicked the other team that's been shitty for most of the year's ass. Like the first place team beat the last place team. <laughs> like like yes. I know it's, it, it, is a, it, it does signify kind of 
the direction that both of these franchises are heading. But as far as a result within this season, it was not especially shocking. <laughs> it just first wasn't. Orioles season series win over the Yankees in the Brandon Hyde era. Wow, yeah, makes sense. So it is indicative of where things are at right now, but it is in no way surprising. The Saturday game, Tyler Wells is not right. Orioles pitcher, they sent him down to double A to kind of iron some things out. But besides that, the Orioles handled the Yankees without really a sweat, scoring six runs in the first inning on Sunday night before an out was recorded. Three-run home run from Adam Frazier, who's crushing the baseball. Like, the birds are good, man. Like, the birds are hot. And who do I think wins this division? I would still take Tampa, but the Orioles are a postseason team, and I need to emotionally prepare myself for that. Yeah. Also, like, again, it's more of a think back to where we were for our live event at the beginning of the season when the Orioles were playing the Yankees in the second weekend. At that point, we didn't know yet. What, but like, it's it's not uh, it's not a surprise anymore. They're better than the Yankees. <laughs> like a lot of teams are better than the Yankees right now. Um, good to see Judge back. I mean, he it was a good reminder of both how unbelievably transcendent he is and how he clearly cannot do it alone. And guess what? If Aaron Judge plays on Sunday like Yankees fans were clamoring for, they maybe would only lose by six. So, sorry. That's kind of where your season is at right now. Um, other series that we did not touch on yet, uh, Guardians and White Sox split. White Sox having some big moments. Tim Anderson finally hitting his first home run. Thank God. You know who didn't hit his first home run was Miles Straw, who is now so far ahead in the Why Haven't You Homered Yet leaderboard, which maybe we can revisit later this week or next. Um, but Tim Anderson, I was happy for him. He did look genuinely relieved and excited. And I do uh, hope that we talk about how like how depressing it is for these teams who are sellers and this seems wayward. I I could totally envision once everyone else is traded, like yes, they're going to lose a lot of games. The White Sox actually having more fun in the second half than in the first half, which I know sounds weird. Tim Anderson since the All Star break is slashing three forty four, four hundred three, four twenty six. Now, could we see him traded in the next day? Probably not, but we will see. Um, but that I, I just thought that was interesting. Now, who's going to pitch for the White Sox? That is a fantastic question, but again, not really a concern for this season. Uh, in addition to Cleveland and Chicago, there were two other opportunities for game series this weekend. That was the Mets and the Nationals, the Mets taking three, and the Cubs taking three of four over the Cardinals. Almost, they had the chance for the mop on Sunday, ultimately got shut out by a Steven Matz gem completely out of nowhere. But Jake, this is a good transition to, I think, the Cubs as a topic, one of our final topics on today's show. Because the Cubs, we just mentioned the Padres, you know, just swept and have seemingly taken, clearly taken Snell and Hayter and whoever else off the market in a way that they probably already were not going to be willing to deal them. But the Cubs, a week or two ago, it was like, here we go. They have Cody Bellinger, by far the best batter available, and Stroman, who has been shitty lately, but still presumably a pitcher the teams would want to acquire. And instead, they rattled off a W8 and are now, I think, like five games out of first place, maybe, and are very close yes. uh, to the wild card. What do you make of this Cubs resurgence, and how do you think they should handle these next couple days? See, they're so weird because when you look at their run differential – They've been better than their record, 
And so compared to some of the other teams in the unsavory middle ground, I think they are decent. That being said, does this look like a playoff team to you? They're almost in the – like I, I want to reward teams and applaud teams for going for it, right? But at the same time, are the Cubs good enough? Should they be going for it? You can't trade away Cody Bellinger when you're three and a half back. No. Right? You just no. cannot do that. And I understand that. Is yeah. this team good enough to make a postseason? I mean, I think what is so interesting about them and clearly what the Padres calculus is – is just looking at the teams ahead of them and just thinking who is realistically going to stumble. Yeah. And the only team, like, and I, I still don't know what the answer to that question is. And so, like, I, I see Arizona and I see Miami and I'm just like, and you, you're seeing kind of the struggles that they've had and you think, and it's possible that they can make moves that make us feel better about them the next day. But like, is is there enough room to kind of, you know, scurry into yeah. this, this wild card position? And I don't, think so i think that they're pretty okay i think they're decent but i don't know like i mean they should trade bellinger no i just think that they kind of have to ride it out and just feel good about where they're at like you could argue you could compare them to the orioles of last year i know very different situation but from the standpoint of like okay we're we're in it but like does it actually make sense to still make more trades in the other direction even if it pisses off our fans i don't know i would just sit i think they're not like, yes, you could get some stuff from Bellinger if you traded him away. But I think the dream, the two months of hope and giving a shit about the postseason is that were is that worth more than whoever you're getting for two months of Cody Bellinger? That's really the calculus for if you're a fan. And I don't know. I would love to hear from Cubs fans because they're in such an odd spot. Jamison Tyon has been a lot better in his last few starts. Couldn't be much worse, man. I mean, he he was looking so bad, and and that was a big part of their struggles early in the season. But uh, but I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) plus they have the the fourth best run differential in the NL behind the Padres, uh, and of course the Dodgers and Braves. So. I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. Uh, it's it's certainly fun. Obviously, when the Cubs are winning, it's 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 plenty entertaining, and I'm sure they enjoyed their. Uh, by the way, wow, Mike Talkman. Oh my God, the Mike Talkman catch over the weekend, like that series win in St. Louis was was so impressive. So I, I I certainly have my my eye on them. I think this is a good last question for you as we wrap up the show, Jake. Who is the team besides the Orioles and Mariners? Because obviously we are sort of on edge about what they're going to do. Besides our favorite teams, who is the team you are watching the closest? in the next day from the standpoint of, but from the buying standpoint, not from a, there's still plenty of more guys. Flaherty's going to get traded. Candelario is going to get traded, right? I mean, there's that, I think Lorenzen. fam. Yeah, fam. Like we know there's still some names and, and maybe Verlander, if that happens, of course, we'll have a whole lot conversation about that soon. But as far as teams, there's a plenty of buyers who have not done anything. The Angels and Rangers have, done most of the purchasing so far so who's a team that's in a postseason position that you actually want to see do something big the giants Mm, san francisco is two back of the dodgers in the nl west they have three players on the roster i think i don't know any of these people i'm not sure what a uh Casey Schmidt is. No, I'm kidding. I We know these players. None of them wow us. They are all, it is more than 2021. It's better than 2021. But like in terms of uh, 
understanding why this team is what this is, this team is now. Maybe that's because we've seen it. But like they are two games out with a very bizarre hodgepodge roster. And they have the things, the controllable young players to go and get something if they wanted it. Um, so I'm just very interested to see what the Giants do. Now, it's possible they won't answer the phone because they got J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff. But why aren't they going after Verlander? Like, I know there's been a lot written about the Dodgers being a, a, a big time pursuing of, uh, of of Verlander. Maybe that ends up happening. But like that feels like where it would be worth the risk. And we'll see what the cost is. That, that I think could make a lot of sense for something that could make me feel really confident about them sticking in that wild card position. So we'll see. Um, but I just think that's a, a, an interesting match. That's a great one, though. I Yeah, the Giants are just odd. I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. Do you have a team? Yeah, I think for me, it's Tampa. Um, I think that the Orioles and Reds, I just see in this situation where it's like the future is kind of so bright no matter what that – I could see them just sitting and just deciding, especially with the Reds news that Lodolo and Green are maybe coming back earlier than we thought. I do think both of these teams need pitching badly, and I would like to see them do something. But Tampa's the team I could see getting creative, who also could use a pitching, who could also use some pitching, who could also use maybe some more like their offense has really kind of come back to earth over the last month. And like this is the best raised team we've seen in a long time. And they have the farm to go out and actually do something about it. So I don't know what that looks like. I just think that they really should be a team that should be being aggressive more than they have been so far. So that would be my team. Uh, Jake, this was a delightful podcast. Thanks for doing it with me. Appreciate it, friend. What, what a, thanks for doing me a favor and doing this podcast that it's our job. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing as always. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Tuesday, 6 p.m. is the deadline. We are going to do a live podcast starting at 5.30. We'll be streaming it, certainly on Twitch, maybe on YouTube also. Keep an eye out for details of that. What that pod is going to be is kind of reacting to anything that has happened from the time I'm saying these words to then, which will probably be a handful of trades, as well as any last-minute deals. Remember last year, we had the, for example, the... um, Jordan Montgomery, Harrison Bader trade happened literally 30 seconds before the deadline and no one saw it coming. So stuff like that we'll react to in real time and we're just going to have a good time. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you uh, follow uh, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you can rate and review. We've been getting some fantastic emails recently, which I am looking forward to either reading or responding to. So thank you for everyone who has sent us some emails recently. Baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, Speaking of B-A-R-B, everyone should go see Barbie. It's very good. Other than that, Mm. thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the trade deadline. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.